Hi, this is Janet Lansbury, and welcome to Unruffled. And Happy New Year! I have a bit of a cold. Sorry if I sound a little different. I'm going to carry on anyway, because it's been too long since I've done a podcast. And this week, I'm going to be responding to a parent who can't figure out how to stay calm amid the conflicting demands of her three children. But before I begin, I want to remind everybody that both of my books are available on audio at audible.com. That's No Bad Kids and Elevating Child Care. And they're also in paperback at Amazon and an ebook at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Apple.com. Also, there are episodes of my new audio series, Sessions, available through my website. There's a tab on the top toolbar that says Sessions. And if you click on it, you will see the individual recordings described. They are recordings of private consultations I've had with parents discussing urgent parenting issues. Everything from aggressive toddlers to limits, acceptance, effective leadership, independent play, and more. So check it out. I'd love to know what you think. Here's the question I received on my Facebook page. I need help managing multiple children. I love Rye parenting, but struggle implementing it consistently. I have three boys aged two, two, and four, and most of the time I feel like they're fighting with each other or fighting over me. I find it hard to respect the wishes of an individual child when those wishes conflict with their brothers probably 90% of the time. It was so much easier with just one. Does anyone have any advice? Do you interfere with fighting or just let it be? How do you deal with jealousy? How do you deal with opposing desires, i.e. one wants to play outside, one in the basement, and one downstairs? Nothing is easy. Everything feels like a compromise. It's exhausting. Okay, so what I think I might be able to help this parent with is really getting perspective on her role and what life is like with multiple children. The key is understanding that Two and four are both very intense emotional ages of development where children are pushing forward, becoming more independent, feeling that push-pull of obviously needing their parents so much and being very dependent in some ways, but also wanting to be more autonomous, wanting to express themselves in their individuality. And so it's it's an internal struggle that goes on, and it tends to be an intense time, even when there aren't outside stressors happening. And really, this is true for children of all ages. I mean, obviously, children get more emotional self-control as they mature. That happens in the brain, and uh, that will happen. But children get easily overwhelmed by their emotions. So what that means for parents is we're not going to have three happy, quiet (laughs) children that often. It's not our job to create that. Our job is to obviously take care of our children's needs and give them, you know, healthy options for play and food and sleep and help them to take care of those needs. But the rest of the time, you know, we have to understand that it's not our job to control conflict in the house. Our job is to monitor it so that it's safe and to accept that there is, you know, a lot of conflict that happens in children when they have siblings, they have this wonderful learning opportunity 
They get to explore conflicts. They get to explore how to resolve them. They get to explore all the, the different feelings that go along with social learning. So what that means is there is going to be fighting. There is going to be arguing. There are going to be many, many moments throughout the day when one child is not getting their way. And what they need from their parents is what all children need, what even just one child needs in the home, a leader, somebody that will ultimately make the decisions and be okay with and accept, even encourage children to express when they're not happy with those decisions, not expecting that everybody's going to say, oh, okay, you know, that's fine. And it will happen sometimes, but oftentimes children use these situations to express their feelings about uh, what I was speaking about just a moment ago, about the autonomy. Well, wait, no, I don't like that. I want it this way. And they want to be able to say that I don't want to do what he wants to do or she wants to do or my mother wants me to do. So it's, it's representative of important feelings and dynamics to share. So we have to trust that as parents to be able to survive this. We have to trust that the days are going to be rocky and we're going to be able to keep our distance from it in the sense that we trust we're not going to ride those waves with our children. All the ups and downs of when somebody's unhappy and now he's unhappy and now he's happy and now they're yelling at each other and we're not going to use our energy to follow along with that and feel all the things they're feeling and feel like, oh, now things are bad. Now things are good in my day. We cannot base our emotional life on what's going on with our children or we will be exhausted and we will be projecting that we aren't comfortable as leaders and, and actually making all these problems a lot worse. Finding that place in ourselves where we can perceive it all as healthy and trusted. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Now, from there, we'll talk about some of these details she brought up. So she says she has three boys. They're all boys. Um, my husband is one of five children and four of his brothers are boy. four of his siblings are boys. And there was a lot of physical fighting between them. It's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's brothers. Obviously, we don't want them to hurt each other, but the way you respond to that physicality with each other is going to set a tone. So if we were coming, rushing into everything, ah, 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 you know, and kind of don't do that, don't do that, micromanaging, that's going to set a tone that's even more chaotic for them and feels less safe. But if we can come in knowing that some stuff is going to happen between them, yep, they're going to get, you know, hurt in minor ways quite a bit, probably. We're not uh, ignoring that, but we're seeing the bigger picture that we need to come in like it's not an emergency. <laughs> like, eh, I think that's too much. So, uh, you know what, I'm going to stop you. Yeah, uh, it looks like he doesn't really like that. Or that's, this is going a little too far, guys. I'm going to stop you. So that kind of response will be far more effective than, hey, what? What are you doing? Stop. No, don't. Hey, you can't do that. No, don't hit him. Don't, you know, giving our children that sense that we do trust them and we, we, we don't think that they're going to cross lines all the time. And what happens when you trust people <laughs> is that they are at their best usually. If you're constantly, you know, doubting them and thinking they're doing wrong things all the time, whether that's somebody you're hired for a job or, or your child, then that's what you're going to get. 
So putting that trust out there and just, you know, stopping when it gets too rough, not blaming either child because, you know, it might be this guy one time and another guy the other time. And and even the guy that seems like the, the victim in that situation, you know, he probably did some things to create that. You know, it's very, very likely. So not taking sides, not trying to be the referee, you know, just being there to take care of the big stuff and maybe help to interpret what's going on as they seem to request that you do. So she says, I find it hard to respect the wishes of an individual child when those wishes conflict with their brothers probably 90% of the time. Yes, as I said earlier, there's a reason for that. They need to say, this is me. <laughs> Even if maybe they like the stuff that the other brothers want to do, there's a part of them that still has to say, no, <laughs> I don't like that. You know, I don't like ice cream cones. I like cake because I need to be me right now. Trust it. So yes, I would totally expect that, that uh, their wishes are going to conflict with each other. And she says it was so much easier with just one. Well, in a way, this is actually easier because it's easier for a parent to see, hey, wait a second, I can't keep everybody happy and just give that dream up. We see clearly that it's not possible with three. With one, we can fall into trying to keep our child happy all the time, even if that means, you know, I really don't want to play with you, but okay, I'll play with you. Or, ah, oh, he's crying and, you know, I need to go help him because I'm his mother. I can't say no to what I was saying no to because now he's upset. And oh, if I just give in, I could make it better. So we can get caught up in all that when it's, it's actually healthier with one child to still have ourself in the relationship and be the leader and be comfortable with our child disagreeing with us and being unhappy with our decisions and, you know, sometimes very vocally and, you know, tearfully unhappy with our decisions. That can be harder. With three, <laughs> you're just not going to make it unless you, unless you get this. So in a way, I'm kind of turning that around. It is easier. Clearer, maybe. So then she says, do you interfere with fighting or just let it be? So as I was saying, I would mostly let it be when it looks too rough, when it looks like somebody's getting hurt or there is hitting going on or, you know, hair pulling or whatever. I would come in as calmly as possible and with a neutral tone, not getting mad at anybody, noticing, hey, Leo, oh, wow, that looks like it's hurting you. I'm going to stop. Yeah, I, I don't want you to do that to your brother. That's, that's a little too much. That kind of attitude. It's effective. It will be more preventative of all of this stuff escalating even more. And it's just as effective, if not more, than charging in, like, you know, and yelling at everybody and, and micromanaging it. So, so mostly you will trust that this is normal stuff. And, you know, I would let them know, hey, you guys, if you ever need my help, if you're stuck in something you want to get out of, call me. I'll come in. And then you come in and you'll stop what needs to be stopped, you know, very effectively and, and as calmly as possible and as comfortably as possible. And you'll notice, hey, you didn't like when he did that. So that that made you want to hit. But as you know, I can't let you do that. That's not safe. I'm going to stop you. Uh, it's not so much teaching them the rules because generally, even at this point with two-year-olds, they, they know the rules. They know they've gotten caught up in doing something that's against the rules. But they got caught up in it and they, they don't know why. That's the impulsive part. 
So I wouldn't keep reiterating, you're not allowed to hit, no hitting. Not that it would really be wrong to, but I, I just think that's not really seeing what's going on. What's going on is you guys are getting a little carried away here. You seem a little angry and I'm going to stop you. That's really seeing our children. So we want to try to, you know, have uh, intimacy even in these situations where we, our child feels she gets where I'm at. You know, I didn't need her to take me aside and tell me I'm not supposed to hit my brother again. I already knew that. <laughs> She's here to say like, whoa, 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 you know, I'm going to stop you. You're, you've crossed the line and you're, you know, you're going too far. Do you need a break? Do you need a breather? Do you need to come with me in the kitchen for a bit? That kind of helpful attitude. Their impulses will get the better of them. They've got each other to bounce them off of and things will get charged up and it's just bound to happen. So again, normalizing this for yourself, letting go of a lot of it, not riding these waves ups and downs with them and taking it personally, being the leader that has a little bit of distance in these situations so that you can preserve your energies and your uh, emotional state and you know, know that you're being a good mother. So then she says, how do you deal with jealousy? Well, I would acknowledge it. So if one of them says, no, I want to sit on mommy's lap right now, and somebody else, one of the other ones is already sitting there, I would say, wow, you really want to sit on my lap right now when, when um, John's doing it. I hear that. Just letting that feeling be, not trying to fix it, not trying to say something to make it better or do something to make it better, not trying to make it work. You know, the other child was there first, so he gets to sit with you until he's done. But I wouldn't even go over that part. I wouldn't go over, well, he's here, he got here first, because that that's a little bit kind of uh, trying to talk your child out of the feeling when we try to explain, oh yeah, well, he was here first, and you know, don't you understand? I mean, don't feel that way, don't feel jealous, because this makes sense, right? <laughs> when jealousy is just a feeling that comes over him, and he needs to be able to say, I want to be there. You really want to be here. I'm with him right now. Yeah, you, you really want to be here. Letting that feeling be. Letting that feeling be seen and heard and accepted and acknowledged. That's how children get to share the things they need to share and not, not have to act on them and act, act them out through behavior. So if we can get these messages and really show our children that we're comfortable seeing all the darknesses, all the dark feelings that, that they have and that it's okay for them to have those feelings and that's so normal, then they will pass through the feeling and the feeling will, will pass and they'll go on and they'll also care about each other a lot more. When we can say all those things about, you know, all the things that we don't like that are going on, and that feeling can be safe to be shared and then cleared, then that's how we say, well, you know what? There are other things about him that I do like. On our own, we come to that when we're able to say, I don't like this. So it will help the three of them to have a better relationship when they're all allowed to not like each other and not be happy with each other and not love everything that's going on. You know, I know that we can get caught up with the jealousy and the opposing desires that she mentions and, and everything, if we feel like, oh, this is my job is to please everybody and somebody's not pleased, I mean, that's, that's going to be a very frustrating job. So be the leader. Know that 
you're going to need to make a lot of these decisions and from a place of confidence and from a place of knowing that you're going to get blasted for them because they need to blast, not because that that was even the wrong decision, just because they needed to blast anyway. And that's why they, they pushed that agenda. That happens often with children this age. So this is a big part of it. Another, just another reason we can trust all the feelings and trust all the behaviors as they come. So how do you deal with opposing desires, i.e. one wants to play outside, one in the basement, and one downstairs? At that moment, you're going to have to probably be the one to decide where do you want them to play. It's going to have to be up to you. And you might share a little bit about what made your decision for you, but I wouldn't feel like you have to explain it too much and try to make it make sense to kids that just want to express their dissatisfaction with the idea. And she says, nothing is easy. Well, it's going to be a lot easier if we don't expect easy and good means everybody's, oh, everybody got their way and everybody's happy. It's just not going to happen. Everything feels like a compromise. It's exhausting. It's exhausting because she's riding the wave with them. She's, she's with them on all their feelings and all their, you know, unhappiness throughout the day. Got to get some distance from it. Got to rise above it or, you know, anchor yourself, whatever image works for you. One of the images I've used is being able to stand in the face of a windstorm. All these feelings coming at you, all these things trying to push you and you're going to hold steady because, you know, you're trying to survive the windstorm and you're just going to let it all pass. You're going to let it all blow by and hold yourself as steady as you can. So whatever imagery works for you, but hold on to yourself as the leader that is doing the right thing, you know, especially when there's somebody unhappy about it and you're able to be okay with that. That's heroic. So everything feels like a compromise because she's trying to make everybody happy. Yeah. So we're giving that up. We're not going to be so exhausted. We're not going to expect anything to be uh, hunky-dory and then what it is. I don't know. Does anybody use that expression, hunky-dory, anymore? That's kind of aging me, I know. But we're not going to expect everybody's happy. And then, you know what? There'll be times when everybody is happy. So let that be a happy surprise for you. Don't expect it. And it will all run more smoothly when you let it flow, when you let all those feelings flow and you stay the leader. I hope that helps. Please check out some of my other podcasts. They're on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and both of my books again. No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame will help you with this leader dynamic I'm talking about. It's available on audio at audible.com, in paperback at Amazon, and an ebook at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and apple.com. And don't forget to check out my new audio series, Sessions individual recordings of my private consultations with parents discussing urgent parenting issues. And you can check those out by clicking the button that says sessions that's on my top toolbar of my website. Thanks so much for listening. We can do this. <laughs>